With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Black Buffalo Zero products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of comparable products. If you're an adult age 21 and older who dips, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo Zero pouches. What are they made of? Pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves. Food-grade ingredients. Most importantly, there's no nicotine or tobacco. All proudly made here in the U.S. So if you're 21 and older and want to learn more about Black Buffalo Zero, head over to blackbuffalozero.com to learn more. You can buy their pouch online, ship directly to most states. Black Buffalo Zero, zero nicotine, zero tobacco, 100% ritual. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Herd podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. This is the Best of the Herd with Colin Cowher on Fox Sports Radio. What up? Welcome in. This is the herd wherever you may be and however you may be making us part of your day thanks so much i'm doug gottlieb in for colin coward it's a tuesday it's week one of college football it is cut down day in the national football league i told you last friday and i meant it you made it it may not feel like it um that heat wave that was in the midwest is now moving its way east but another heat wave that's on the west coast is going to move its way to the midwest over the weekend uh, and into next week so it may not feel like it in all parts of the country but believe it or not you have in fact made it through the dog days of summer and football is here um and it's really interesting to me I, i don't know if it's as interesting to you but i think it is is we are in a space where college football is in a transition year, right? Transition year. Next year, the Big Ten expands, UCLA and USC. This year, the Big 12 expands, but then next year, the SEC expands, and Texas and Oklahoma will join the league. And, of course, then the Big 12 will welcome in the remnants of most of the Pac-12. And we're a year away from the college football playoff expanding as well. So most of the former system, which really wasn't, isn't that old, is still kind of around. But we're in this era now where you have um, the transfer portal and NIL. And it's really interesting that NIL, um, name, image, and likeness, and the ability for players to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness, has gone the route of pay-for-play. And, and no one would dispute otherwise. And yet, I find it to be fascinating, something that Jim Harbaugh had to say yesterday, which, of course, only feeds the monster of more, 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 more. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Bucky Brooks is going to join us upcoming in 15 minutes. I'll ask him, have you guys seen 
what the Arizona Cardinals are likely to throw out there? I mean, it it does feel like uh, if you remember when the Boston Celtics were were tanking um, not so long ago, like you think back to teams that were tanking, the Astros. I think it was 2013. Is that right, Greg Tui? Like 2013 Astros, they were yep. just marvelously tanking. You look at some of those rosters, and you're like, that's what the Cardinals are doing. That's what the Cardinals are doing. Because there's no way you can have a Colt McCoy bring in a Josh Dobbs like a week before your or a week and a half before you're going to kick off your season and say, that's our guy. And, oh, yeah, by the way, we're trying to win football games. Uh, but what should the play be if it, it works and they can draft Caleb Williams? We'll ask Bucky Brooks. He'll join us upcoming in 15 minutes. Jake Butt's going to join us um, in about an hour. Of course, Jake was a star tight end at Michigan. Then a bunch of knee injuries derailed his NFL career. And we'll start to ask the question about the Rams. Bill Belichick's asked some questions about the Rams. But one of the Rams' draft picks... Uh, was curious at the time and appears to be a terrible pick. But maybe more interesting is the idea of going for it, of pushing your chips all in, where so many have said, hey, it's worth it because the Rams won a Super Bowl. Is it? But let's start with uh, Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh, as many of you know, is suspended for the first three games of the season. It was a four-game suspension. Now, Then that suspension got wiped off. Now it's a three-game suspension. And Michigan is a program that likes to report itself as doing it the right way, right? Being about a combination of football and academics. And they've been, over the past couple of years, frankly, a dominant team in the Big Ten. They finally cracked the Ohio State code so much so that you do have at least the beginnings of a, hey, um, are we sure Ryan Day's the guy, right? Nothing speaks more highly of Jim Harbaugh's kind of uh, professional turnaround than the fact that Ryan Day is not on the hot seat, but he, he's not as secure as one would think he should be considering his overall success because recently he hasn't been success, successful against the team from the North. But Harbaugh went on an interesting rant yesterday. Why don't you take a listen? We have to try to make it work, and we do. We have to try to make it work. We have to try to make it better. And right now, the current status quo is unacceptable and won't survive. In my opinion, we capitalize on the talent who should pay the talent for their contributions to the bottom line. I'm calling for a system that is fair, equitable, and benefits all involved. Don't exclude the student athletes from the profits. You can't say you're about diversity, equity, and inclusion if you aren't willing to include the student athletes in revenue sharing. Um, that sound it sounds like a political speech, doesn't it? And it sounds like he's grandstanding to the social media audience that at many times has vilified th- him throughout his career. And I do think that that the reason, whether it's initially or long term, that Harbaugh wanted and likes this job is not about the ego. It's not about the hey, being a head coach in college football is about the head coach and not about everybody else. I think it's because he comes from a coaching family tree. It is coaching your alma mater. You do want to help young men achieve success that they maybe didn't think possible or it wasn't possible based upon how or where they were brought up. 
All of those things are great. But what is he even talking about? He wants a system which is equitable. I think most people in college sports would agree. He wants, But he wants players to be compensated. Mm, they are. <laughs> if anything, the reality of the current system is the imbalance has actually worked the other way. Right? The other way. It's worked the other way. It's worked to where players have way too much power. Make money far above their actual name, image, and likeness value. And there's no real connection or tie to the university, which is the real reason, the real reason that the schools are being compensated handsomely um, for broadcasting football games. There's no easier parallel than to say, hey, let's take the there's what, the USFL and the XFL? Right? USFL, those are the two minor leagues. And my guess is that um, those teams would wipe the field with college football teams. Wipe the field with them. Why? Because they're grown men. They're professionals. Um, and you're like, no, they wouldn't. Yeah, they would. They would. This is much like the G League as opposed to college basketball. G League teams are way better than college basketball teams. What's more valuable? To broadcast? Well, the colleges. Why? The name on the front of their shirt. The connection to the fans. I mean, that's just reality to it. But, and look, I'll be totally honest. If you heard me on radio, I've been doing national sports radio for 20 years. I was somebody who was against the idea of compensating somebody for their name, image, and likeness. Because of what it's become, which is just buying players. That was an odd one. It was... I've always wondered if Jim Harbaugh was connected with the reality of what he does, and now I wonder even more so. Yes, college sports makes a lot of money. Colleges make a lot of money. We do realize that, right? I'm actually broadcasting from my alma mater, Oklahoma State University. Colleges make a lot of money on all their students. But that's in terms of revenue. Now, profits, that's different. And most of the profits or most of the revenue that they generate, even in college sports, is actually spoken for. It is. But what he's proposing, which, by the way, lacks any sort of detail or likelihood of being executed, which is why it sounds like politics. Yeah, that's why it sounds like politics. It's, it's throwing out a pie in the sky like, hey, what if we... You know, and we do this all the time. I mean, you hear it in the debates. Why don't we pull the funding to fighting Ukraine? Well, part of the reason that we fund Ukraine is not just out of altruism and trying to help stop the spread of of Russia, but also because all of those weapons are well made here in the United States and it helps stimulate our economy, right? That's like the reality to it. You're going to cut off that funding and cut off a lot of jobs. <laughs> Oops. So I, I think the reality of the execution to that is, does he really want to get to the point of true professionalism of college athletics? Now, there could be some good parts to it, right? It could actually tie players to the school because the biggest issue in college athletics now is not athletes being compensated. It's not. Ask anybody. That is not an issue. 
even to the athletes themselves. And oh yeah, by the way, if you think it's, well, you know, if we give them a little more, this has always been my argument. No matter how much you could have, previous to the NIL system, said you break off for a college athlete, they're going to want more. That's human nature. That's capitalism. That's the monster that we constantly feed. But if you actually walk around a college campus, you actually talk to college football coaches or administrators, I don't think any of them would say, hey, the issue here is players need to get paid. No, the, the biggest issue is like, well, how do you keep guys at one school? How do you actually coach them? Because the current system allows for you to, at the first sight of trouble, hey, I'm not playing as much as I want, we're not winning as much, or I'm not getting paid as much as I want, just up and leave and go to a different, different place. Which, it's like sugar, maybe even cocaine, where in the short ter- it's a short-term fix, but long-term, if you go to multiple schools, you do not have a true alma mater. And football, more so than any other sport, that sucker, that runs out really, really quickly. And then what? And then what? But if you really want to professionalize it, do we realize what that means? Like, college athletics operates basically in a tax shelter. Yes, players are going to have to pay taxes on the NIL money that they get, but they don't have to pay taxes on the benefits that they get. And those benefits, not just travel, right? Uh, Not training, training table, you know, room, dorm, all this stuff, all the scholarship. Like, those are tax-free benefits. Do we want to tax those? Do, do we want college athletes to first form a union, then collectively bargained? And oh yeah, by the way, you, you do know what's going to happen. College athletic department's like, sure, you can have a piece of the profits. And then just like if you see their bottom line now, there's not a lot of profits. <laughs> like if we want to turn into college, college athletics into professional athletics, I give you, like, is that why people will watch? They don't watch because the sport is better than the than than minor league professional sports. Minor league basketball, for example, is way better in terms of talent and gameplay and shot making than college basketball. Why? It's because the college feels. And Jim Harbaugh is dismissing all that, which is simply grandstanding, and frankly, either obtuse to or comically disconnected. From the fact that compensating the players is no longer a problem. It's how do you keep from the opposing team recruiting off of your sideline? How do you retain your players so that the people who sit down in those stadiums or in front of their TV to watch the games, how do they know who they're watching? It's not college sports is not like professional sports even now. Because in professional sports, you sign a contract, you got to stick with that team through that contract. Here, it's they actually established four-year scholarships like a decade or more ago. But guys are gone after one year, sometimes not even that long. I just be careful what you wish for. You are, in fact, going to get it. And though athletes are now compensated for name, image, and likeness, I don't believe there's a soul who, if not in front of a TV camera or on social media, who actually works in college athletics would tell you that we're in a better place now than we were previous to this. 
it was, trust me, it was a weird comment that seems completely disconnected from reality, which makes it seem like it's some political stump speech, knowing it's never going to come to fruition and meaning, hey, he just wants to be a man of the people. I'm just about the kid. I just want to fight for you. And when that TV camera is off, he sits there and rolls his eyes and goes, are you kidding? We get guys to commit to us in the fall and in the spring. They hit us up because they want twice the money that they were promised by the collective. That's the reality of the sport in which he works in. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bucky Brooks, of course, uh, Played in the NFL, covers the NFL, part of the Move the Sticks podcast. He and Daniel Jeremiah, it's, it's about as good as 
as anything you're going to download and listen to. And, of course, coaches the game as well. He just knows it like the back of his hand. Kind of to spend some time with us here on a Tuesday in the herd. Uh, Bucky, uh, help me out here. I'm looking at what the Arizona Cardinals are throwing out there. And, boy, that that does not feel like a competitive team. Um, what do you think the plan is? In terms of tanking, and, and I asked because obviously it's it doesn't feel like trying to win. First year coach, first year GM, load up. But would it be to draft Caleb Williams and then get rid of Kyler Murray, or would it be to keep Kyler Murray and trade that pick because of its value? Well, I, th- I think a couple of things could be at play. Uh, the number one thing that most coaches and new GMs do is they try and reset and establish a new culture within the program. And so maybe the mass exodus of players that we're seeing is Jonathan Gannon and Monty Alcifort trying to get their guys, their kind of guys on the team, regardless of record. Let's make sure we get the kind of guys that we want in the locker room, guys that love football, guys that love whatever the criteria is for that. The second part of it could be that, you know, hey, let's look ahead to the draft, and we won't say that we're tanking, but if we do finish with the top overall pick, what would our, our, our course of action be? Will we take Caleb Williams? over Kyler Murray. Is Kyler Murray the kind of guy that we want to build our franchise around? I think they're still probably in the exploratory phase when it comes to that. But, but it's really about making sure they have the right people in the building, and then they'll figure out how to build the team from that point. Fair enough. Uh, Trey Lance, what's the likelihood that he has any impact with the Cowboys? Uh, I mean, look, man, this is a low-risk, high-return investment if you're the Dallas Cowboys. See, because when Trey Lance comes to the Cowboys, he doesn't come with all that fanfare and expectation that he came arrived at San Francisco with. He's now a guy that has been traded, and he has to kind of earn his way. But for the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy, man, this is a great development experiment. You know, normally when someone is a top five pick, really when it's a first-round pick, they always get multiple bites at the apple. Because when you're drafted in the first round, there are enough people around the league that thought you had high-level talent. So now you get him in the program, you bring him in, you see what he looks like, you see what he could be, you develop him, and then you see. If he turns to be something, you now develop a player at a position that is a marquee position, that is a huge bargain, I mean a trade chip. If he develops into something even beyond that, well, maybe if something goes awry with Dak Prescott after 2024, maybe you have a succession plan in place. So to me, this is the Cowboys doing their due diligence. And even though on the surface it may cost them five, six million dollars for a quarterback, that's chump change. And so it's worth kicking the tires on Trey Lance to see if he can develop into the player that some people thought he could become when he entered the league. Why hasn't he become that player that people wanted him to become? Well, I say a few different things, maybe cloudy. Um, Sometimes in the scouting world, we can kind of get excited about the potential and don't look at the major factors. So the major factors when it came to Trey Lance is Trey Lance played at a smaller school. North Dakota State, good football, played well, but it's still different than playing at a top five, power five school. He was also a one-year wonder. Played one year, then it was the COVID year. So he doesn't have a lot of experience when it comes to snap. The other thing, he goes to San Francisco, didn't play that final year, so you talked about knocking the rust off. Doesn't have live game reps and experience. And when you look at it, he was like a, what, 15, 16-game starter? Brock Purdy, 
uh, on the other hand, had 47 starts under his belt at Iowa State. And I don't care what anybody says, experience brings a level of expertise. Bill Parcells, going way back, had these rules where he wanted guys that were three-year starters, guys that had at least 30 starts, 23 wins, completion percentage over 60, two-to-one touchdown to interception ratio, because when you do those kinds of things at college, more than likely you're going to be ready for the pro game. Brock Purdy checked off all those boxes. Most recently, DTR, George Thompson Robinson from the Cleveland Browns, checked all those boxes. So when you look at them in the preseason, the game is slower. They get it. It doesn't always translate to success, but experience matters at the collegiate level. That's the voice of Bucky Brooks. He joins us now. Uh, I'm Doug Gottlieb, in for Collins. The Herd here on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Uh, what is the likelihood in your mind of success for the New York Jets, not just considering, you know, culturally they haven't won, but they also have, at least to this point, some issues with that offensive line? I mean, they have some issues, but here's what I would say why they have a chance. Aaron Rodgers has fully embraced being a leader in New York. The things that he's done in New York, he didn't do his last couple of years in Green Bay. The way he's ingratiated himself to his teammates, the way that he has made uh, a point to talk to other members within the team and to show them. Seeing him out and about with Sauce Garden and some of the younger guys, that's important because camaraderie and chemistry are everything when it comes to being able to win. The way that he's taken over as a mentor to Zach Wilson, that's huge. So to me, regardless of what it looks like up front, Aaron Rodgers is fully invested in this team winning. And they're going to benefit from that championship-level experience that he brings. So I expect them to be a very competitive team. I would expect them to win 10 or more games, even if he doesn't play like the four-time MVP. His knowledge is going to help them play at a higher level, much like Tom Brady helped the Buccaneers play at a higher level because he kind of has seen it, and they, they respect him. Aaron Rodgers has their ear. And so because of that power, He's using it the right way. That right way can turn out to produce terrific results. Well, Dalvin Cook says they're Super Bowl contenders. Do you agree? Uh, potentially. I think they got to play better defense in terms of not just by the yards. they got to be able to turn the ball over. We will see how good this defense is this year because if Aaron Rodgers gives them a lead, can that defense close it out? And we'll also have an opportunity to see how good of a head coach Robert Sala is. Robert Sala now has to take his game up and be able to manage the game by connecting the three phases, offense, defense, special teams. If he grows his game as a coach and the defense plays well, yeah, the Jets can be in that conversation. Um, Bill Belichick came out and said that uh, uh, he, he said ca uh, cap spending is more important than cash spending. It, it did feel like you know, he talked basically about the Rams and how they went for it and look what's happened since. Uh, they've always been conservative in New England, and it's been playing the long game. And up until recently, and even you go back like two years ago, they did make the playoffs. So over the last 25 years, they made the playoffs all but a couple of years, but haven't seen the success since Tom Brady. What, what do you think of Belichick and his remarks in regards specifically directed at the Rams? Uh, there's something to that. Um, you know, there's two ways to build your team. It's kind of like in baseball when the Atlanta Braves used to win all those division titles, but then the, the Florida Marlins, now the Miami Marlins, would go, they would win a, a World Series, then go dormant for like 10 years, then win another one. Which franchise would you rather be? For me, I would like to be like the Patriots where I'm always in the conversation. 
But this, when I look at the Patriots, really reminds me a lot of like Greg Popovich with the San Antonio Spurs. Greg Popovich is a great coach, much like Bill Belichick, but it still takes having those players and the players in the right spots to be able to win. When they lost Tom Brady, I think he maybe underestimated the impact of losing the GOAT in terms of not the ability, but all the other stuff that having a player that buys into the coaching allows you to do with the team. Because Tom Brady would submit to the coaching that Belichick would do, everybody else had to fall in line. Now they're trying to find their way and find who's that leader that everyone can say, hey, well, if he buys in, I absolutely can buy in. That's where they're at. This team is going to be good because he does a great job of scheming and finding a way. It's just a matter of do they have enough talent to compete with some of the heavyweights in the AFC. Why do you think the Rams spent the draft equity they did on Stetson Bennett, lowest-rated quarterback in the preseason uh, via Pro Football Focus? Uh, sometimes you can fall in love with the guy because of the competitiveness, maybe reminds you of himself. Like Sean McVay may have saw a little bit of himself in Stetson Bennett, a gritty uh, underdog that's overachieved and done those things. He played a lot of football and that stuff. I will say this, though. A bad preseason doesn't mean that he won't be able to play. The NFL different is, is different than the college game. And sometimes it takes uh, playing games and getting that experience and learning what the speed is like before you're ready. So I wouldn't give up on him, even though it is a little alarming that he played as poorly as he played in the preseason. Uh, you know, we're, we're looking at the Jets because they add Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, we feel like the Chiefs will be there. Um, does feel like the Bills because of quarterback play. Where are you on Jacksonville? I mean, obviously, Jacksonville, you feel like you should lose any game. You're down 27 nothing in the playoffs. But they were really competitive with the Chiefs. They've drafted highly and well for a long time. And they, Trevor Lawrence seemed to start figuring it out with a more legitimate coaching staff last year. Where are you in the Jags? Uh, now, I'm a homer because I do the sideline broadcast for the Jags during the regular season. And I just did their preseason TV games. I'm all in on the Jags. The reason why I'm in on the Jags is because offensively, they're as good as any team in football on offense. Uh, you look at their wide receiver court, Calvin Ridley gives them a true elite number one receiver. Uh, if he plays up to potential in the way that these look throughout training camp, you can put him in the conversation with Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson in terms of how he gets open, how he can impact the game. That sets the order for the rest of the wide receiver court because now they can play their more comfortable roles. Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, they can be the complementary pieces in the passing game. Travis Etienne is a solid running back. They added a guy in Tank Bigsby. But the big reason why you build on the Jacks, Trevor Lawrence can go from good to great in the second year under Doug Peterson. More command, more confidence, more decisiveness leads to maybe better play. This is a team that wants to try and hit 30 points a game. If they get to that point, that puts them in the conversation of being maybe the top-scoring offense in football. If you're putting up points like that, you have an opportunity to win a lot of games in today's NFL. Uh, the, the podcast is called Move the Sticks. He's part of it. He's the one and only Bucky Brooks. He joins us in the herd. Bucky, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Hey, man, appreciate you, Doug. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Today is, we're told, D-Day for the Jonathan Taylor trade with the Colts. Right. This is this is the moment. If you want to have Jonathan Taylor, you want to trade for him. They want this is when they have to adjust their roster. It's cut down day in the NFL, so it's not just about theirs. It's just about their roster. It's about hey, if they want to rebuild their running back room, this is how they do it. And there's lots of questions as to what the Colts should do, and sometimes doing absolutely nothing 
is the right thing to do, right? I mean, if you think about it, and Ryan, didn't you tell me yesterday we had this discussion? They can still franchise tag um, the. They can still franchise tag. Um, uh, was it Saquon Barkley? Right, you said that's you can't correct. Franchise tag him. That's correct. Okay. They uh, and Jonathan Taylor too, I believe. That's correct. Yeah. So remember, he wasn't a first round draft pick, so he doesn't have the fifth year option. And you'll get people saying, "Well, you know, they don't want to pay Jonathan Taylor." That, that's not what they said. Okay, they don't want to trade Jonathan Taylor for nothing, and they want to re-sign Jonathan Taylor. They just want to re-sign him at the right rate. They want to get the right thing for him. Um, apparently, Miami Dolphins are among two teams that have made had serious trade discussions, according to NFL insider Armando Salguero. Indianapolis Colts have already um, declined multiple offers for the star running back. And and the question becomes, what should the Colts do? Right? What should they do? And the answer may be nothing. It may be playing hardball. This from the Athletic, um, an agent NFL agent survey said Taylor is tremendous. But the Colts went thirteen twenty and one in his two playoff less seasons. It's like when Branch Rickey told Hall of Famer Ralph Kiner in negotiations, we finished last with you, we can do that without you. The Colts hold all the cards, all of them. They too can franchise tag him at the end of this season, which again will work out to $10 million or, $10 million or so um, for a one-year guaranteed contract. You can do that for two years. You can even transition tag him in the third year. They, they, they are under no pressure to give him away for a bad deal. And, oh, yeah, by the way, their plan was, hey, we got Jonathan Taylor. We got, we got, you know, we got Richardson. That's a dynamic duo. Why would we, why would we just hand somebody else a star running back? And, oh, yeah, by the way, Taylor may come off some of his demands in terms of contracts because it's just not out there for him. $16 million a year Christian McCaffrey money is just not out there for him. Also keep in mind, he has a legit ankle injury. It's not like he's ready to go right away. So this is a little bit of game of chicken. It wouldn't surprise me at all, despite what Jim Ursay said. And that's basically what Jim Ursay said. was like, look, he's a very good player, but you know the league does, in fact, move on. Just didn't come out great. And we'll talk about Dalvin Cook and what he said about the Jets, but the, the truth is that Dalvin Cook is the perfect example. A more accomplished running back than Taylor. Granted, he's had uh, more injuries and more wear and tear, but completely flip free and clear. There was no trade needed to acquire him. And, you know, he got in the $8 million after the potential incentives and earmarks that he can, you know, it's probably $7 million guaranteed, if that. If that, I just, it's going to be fascinating to see what the Colts do because they don't have to do anything. And if we look at so many of the trade demands or contract demands of the past, heck, we even talked about the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals got themselves in trouble, not giving Kyler Murray a contract extension, but why after his third year? Remember, quarterbacks, first, he's the number one overall pick, got a bunch of money up front. His fifth year option would have been big. Then they could have franchise tagged him for two years. 
You have a guy, minimum, if you want, with no negotiation, seven-year deal. For Jonathan Taylor, no negotiation, six-year. Could do seven-year as well, be substantially more punitive the longer he goes on transition tag. Don't have to do anything at all. It's like, well, trade him away to football Siberia. Or don't trade him. Call his bluff. Make him sit. It might not be the best option, but it's definitely an option. And you'd be surprised at how quickly guys want to play football and maybe want to put themselves out there to earn that next big contract with with the Colts or with somebody else upcoming next year. Dynasty the king. Uh, king uh. What's good, y'all? It's your main man, Michael Smith, esteemed NFL analyst and certified fantasy football legend. Allow me to present to you your new favorite fantasy football podcast, The Dynasty Exchange, hosted by my first-round rookie picks, Davis, Dylan, and Josh, three guys who most definitely know their stuff. They're the co-commissioners of the coolest and most cutthroat dynasty league you'll ever come across, the Yacht Club. And now they're the co-hosts of the most elite. Now make that the definitive dynasty program in the game. It's dedicated to only the most devoted of diehards. The guys like me who can't stay off sleeper in KTC. And trust me, you won't regret making the choice to follow their dynasty advice. Listen to Michael Smith Presents The Dynasty Exchange on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. 
So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Let's dive in, though, to something that uh, Dalvin Cook had to say in regards to the Jets. Now, obviously, the Jets have replaced, I don't know, the Browns in previous years in terms of most discussed offseason teams. And, uh, you know, Dalvin's been close. He's been in the playoffs with the Minnesota Vikings previously. He comes over after signing as a free agent. He told the New York Post on Monday, I think it's very realistic. He's talking about the chances of making a Super Bowl. Obviously, you look at the roster, you look at the people we've added, the things that we've already had, just combining that in one, I think there's something to be excited about. we got to go out there and do our part. Now, I think it's very reasonable to say uh, there's, there's parallels in some ways to Tampa. Some ways to Tampa. Well, I'm talking about when Tampa won the Super Bowl with, with Tom Brady. And, and I actually believe that when Tampa beat Green Bay, that was a big part of the seeds that were planted for Aaron Rodgers to one out. Right? I actually think it wasn't just Aaron Rodgers. I think Russell Wilson the same because two weeks later they're at the Super Bowl and Russell Wilson was sitting there with Roger Goodell and they're both watching a late 30s quarterback go to a franchise that has a lot of talent but this just didn't have a quarterback that could put it all together. And then if you remember at the end of that Tampa win in Green Bay in front of, remember that was COVID years, so there wasn't a full crowd. But Brady takes off his helmet and, you know, he looks like a million bucks. Rodgers takes off his helmet and, I mean, he just looked like the oldest man on earth. Brady, I'm sorry, Brady's in his 40s at that time and Brady looks, you know, like his early 30s and I mean, really, Aaron Rodgers looked like a cowboy who'd been sleeping out in the range for nights on end. And you, you look over and you're like, this this guy, are you kidding me? The weather's better. You get more control of a different organization because you come in as a winner, as a Hall of Famer. You get to kind of do it your own way. You get to pick who you surround yourself with. Uh Obviously, one big difference is Bruce Arians had had success as a head coach previously, more success as an offensive coordinator uh, and quarterback coach. You know, in terms of the guys, the Roethlisberger's, the Mannings, the the Kurt Warner's that he had dealt with previously, so he had a little bit more equity in within the league as opposed to Robert Sala. But there, the Jets have whether they've drafted well or just drafted high. You know, so many of these teams that we've seen now become successful teams. The, the Chiefs were good, and then you part with Alex Smith, you bring in a, a superstar quarterback, and they become great. But it, let's let's take them and set them aside, right? The Bengals, 
bad for, you know, almost the the year before they drafted Burrow, going the last two weeks of the season, they had the worst defense statistically in the history of the league. Bengals have been bad for a while, drafted high for a while. The difference was, I mean, remember, early on, they wanted to get rid of Zach Taylor. And Burrow got, getting hurt early probably helped them because they got the draft high yet again. But, I mean, there's no secret. I mean, that, that helped them get Jamar Chase. But there's no real secret there. You draft in the top 10 for multiple years. And eventually, you think you're going to figure it out. Jacksonville's the latest of that. Right? You draft relatively well for years. You load up on talent. And then you get a high-level quarterback. And then, oh yeah, by the way, that high-level quarterback is on a rookie contract. And you just take off. That's what happened to the Bills. So the... Tampa was close. I mean, they just, Jameis couldn't stop turning it over. But they had a lot of talent, and you just get the right guy in that spot. Now, that's what the Jets have. The Jets have talent. Obviously, questions with the offensive line, and there were questions with the offensive line with, with Tampa. They they drafted Tristan Wirfs that same year that they end up taking, uh, getting Tom Brady. And the Jets are still trying to figure out the jigsaw puzzle that is Makai Becton and where to put him. But I don't think it's unreasonable. The difference is the AFC stacked. The difference is that division stacked. The difference is, man, their schedule is a beast. But if you remember for Tampa, you know, people want to talk about the four-game winning streak they put together at the end of the season. Two of those wins were against Atlanta, who was terrible. They beat all non-playoff teams, but it got their confidence going, got them together, and then, I mean, they, they beat the Packers, but that was kind of survival. Remember, they they really survived against the Saints, who had swept them in the regular season. Saints have the ball in, their, in, in Tampa territory, fumble. So there were some things that went their way, but I don't think it's crazy to think if things go right, the Jets could be right there, and they do have Aaron Rodgers. The The issues with it are, man, that offensive line, you know, makes me nervous. And outside of Aaron Rodgers, what is the, who are the culture of winning guys they have? And I guess you could say the same thing for Tampa. But the division is far tougher than that. Tampa team, yes, New Orleans was good, but Atlanta was not. Carolina was not. There are no easy games in the AFC East, and their out-of-AFC East schedule is really difficult. But I don't think it's crazy. I wouldn't label them a favorite. I wouldn't say they're going to be there. I wouldn't go all Jason McIntyre and start buying tickets to Vegas for the Super Bowl. But that doesn't mean it's not a... It's not plausible. It's not possible. It's possible. Likely? No. But it's more likely that they make the playoffs, that they're really competitive, than it is that they fall completely apart. Um, again, but things have to go right. Dalvin Cook has to stay healthy. And one of the reasons that he was available for as long as he was available is, doesn't he have a bum shoulder? And oh yeah, by the way, uh, Colin has been on this, and I, I've been the, the the biggest defender of Aaron Rodgers throughout his career. 
But Cohen's been on the season, been right. When Aaron Rodgers is in a good place and he's motivated and he's having fun, like he's awesome. Awesome. There's no way you can watch Hard Knocks and go like, man, I kind of get the, I kind of like Aaron Rodgers. But when things are not great, when adversity strikes, when he's constantly got guys in his face, when he doesn't love the things being sent in from the sideline, oh yeah, we're all, everyone's on the same page in August. Are you on the same page in late October and into November? That's the question. And it's a, it's a very, very fair question. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. This is an interview with Bill Belichick. And, you know, there's lots of talk of the Patriots. And I, I don't know what this team looks like. I don't know what the top end of it. They're obviously going to be far, far better coached offensively when you got Bill O'Brien. Knows what he's doing. Right? Been there before. Obviously been with Alabama. He was a pro head coach. GM, his GM work got him fired in Houston. But what kept him employed was he's really good with the offense. And that's what Mac, Mac Jones needs. Now, outside the numbers, do they have the wide receivers? It appears, you know, with Ramon J. Stevenson, and now they, they go out and get Zeke. They have two good, solid running backs. Feels like we know what they're going to do, right? Run the ball, shorten the game. Try and be, you know, you know, try and be fairly conservative offensively and then try and win with their defense in a division where, you know, you have potentially high-scoring offenses with the speed and you know, crazy talent that you have in Miami and, of course, all the scoring that you have in Buffalo and the same with the Jets. It's, it's a fascinating look at different ways of doing the same thing. Okay, the same goes for the spending. Patriots are... Uh, almost bottom of the league, I think 31st in cash spending, but 15th in terms of the, their cap spending. Take a listen to Bill Belichick in this interview and what he says about the, the difference in the two philosophies. Can't you create cap space by spending more cash and guarantees? So teams like the Bills are... Temporarily, you can. You can't, you can't sustain it, no. I mean, you can't sustain the 20 years of success that we sustain... Uh, by overspending every year without having to eventually pay those bills and play with a lesser team. Do you think it is so possible? So I think if you look at the teams that, you know, have done that, that's kind of where some of them ended up, you know. Jacksonville back in 14, the Rams are going through it, Tampa's going through it now. So I'm not saying there's anything right or wrong with it. It's just a different way of doing things, and there's, you know, there's the results for doing that. Um. And, and the point he makes is a good one. And, and even the Patriots, people forget now they had the, they had all the opt outs after Brady left, but they also they were in a little bit of cap hell there, and that was a readjustment year. Even that year they did go seven and nine. Might have been his best coaching job. You know, all things considered, I mean, Cam Newton couldn't throw a football. He he threw for less than a hundred yards in what three starts, and they still nearly got to five hundred. Kind of crazy. But it's the idea of, would you rather have a successful team for a sustainable portion of time? A successful team for a sustainable portion of time. Or, okay, or would you rather have a successful team for, or would you rather, hey, every once in a while, we're just going to go for it, go all in, and the hell with the ramifications. Like the Rams. 
two Super Bowls and two, at least at this point, terrible seasons. And this one doesn't feel like it's a good season. Um, there's a healthy mix there. You can do it both ways. But I think Belichick, he's telling you and has told you over time what he believes. And maybe the point should be made that the greatest part about the Brady and Belichick marriage was that somebody convinced Brady not to take the most. And whoever did that, that's what sustained that success. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.